This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Joining us now over Zoom is Chief Science Advisor Nigel French. He'll be speaking to us about the highly pathogenic bird flu that is currently sweeping the world. Kia ora, Nigel. Thank you for joining us today. Hi. Good morning. I guess I'll start off by asking, what is the avian influenza virus? Uh, the avian influenza virus is just like uh, a lot of the other viruses that cause flu. Um, it's kind of a similar type of virus to the one that causes seasonal flu in people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this particular strain that's a concern at the moment is one that has a preference for birds, so for poultry, but also for wild birds as well. Yep. Um, and it's quite a severe one in, in in those particular animal species, and it's spreading um, quite rapidly around the world and now beginning to affect other species too. Mm-hmm. What does highly pathogenic mean in this instance relating to this virus? It's called highly pathogenic because it causes severe symptoms in the animals that it affects. So there are different types of influenza viruses. Um, There's called low pathogenic and high pathogenic. The high pathogenic ones are ones that cause higher fatality and more severe symptoms there there's mm-hmm. a specific definition for them determined by you know the frequency with which they kill um particularly young young poultry birds and do you believe this virus will eventually reach Aotearoa or will it hopefully stay away from our shores there's a, there's a good chance it will stay away but the speed with which this particular strain is spreading at the moment across multiple continents there were over I think about 67 countries affected last year a few more this year as well the speed that it's spreading and the fact that it's crossing over into mammals as well um, is a concern and I think our relative isolation has helped us till now and could well help us in the future but I we need to be a bit more vigilant um, to make sure, because although it's it's one of these examples of a low risk but potentially high consequence event, okay. so that's why we're advocating to be, um, you know, kind of ramp up surveillance and also make the public a bit more aware of what uh, what this is. We obviously have a lot of beautiful wildlife here. How much of a threat would this, you know, influence this um, virus pose to like our wildlife in Aotearoa? If the highly pathogenic strain were to get into, particularly into our wild fowl, so these are things like the ducks and geese and yep. swans, um, you could see quite big die-offs of those. Um, but also it can transmit to other shorebirds, um, gulls and other um, shorebirds as well, and cause quite severe symptoms in those too. And the concern is that New Zealand, we have some very small rare populations of some wild birds Mm -hmm. that could be quite vulnerable if they got infected so if it were to arrive here and particularly if it then became amplified in the ducks and the geese population then cross over into our more endangered species that we could um, have to take quite serious action to avoid some some major consequences you hinted at some strategies before what better strategies can we have in place to ensure their protection if this virus if a virus like this does reach our shores yeah i think well the first thing is to try and make sure that we detect it early if it does Mm -hmm. the earlier you detect these things with any kind of surveillance system the better prepared you are to put things into action to try and prevent it spreading further and we historically we have been doing surveillance of 
wild migratory birds and also wild fowl, so ducks and geese and swans in New Zealand. Um, but we stopped um, the major tracking or active surveillance of um, the migratory birds in about 2010. Given that we've got these, these very severe lineages now, the world strains of this virus which are spreading across the world, um, we're suggesting rethinking that policy of not doing migratory birds and perhaps reintroducing some surveillance there, just so you can get ahead of the curve. And if you can, then you can put measures in to protect things like the, the poultry industry, for example, where you could get quite serious implications and deaths amongst poultry, but also our endangered species. In other countries, they have done things like vaccinate wild bird populations that are endangered, yep. um, but also um, good biosecurity and other preventive measures could help if it does arrive here from it prevented, presenting and, and transmitting even further and causing problems. So it's all about getting ahead of the curve, getting an early warning and being able to put measures in place to try and prevent the serious consequences. Would you be able to explain what the One Health approach means in terms of the interconnection of humans, animals, and the environment? Yeah, One Health is um, a way, it's a kind of framework of thinking about particularly infectious diseases. Most human infections, it's not often recognised, but most human infections also are transmitted from animals as well. So between animals and people, these are very, very common, including the flu viruses, and if you think about COVID as well, that originally came from an animal reservoir. Yeah. You think about many of the other important infectious diseases. They often have a transmission which comes from animals or, or between animals and people. And unless we have a coordinated approach to things like surveillance, biosecurity and control measures, that takes into account that it's not just animal health or human health, but it's both and they're mm -hmm. interconnected. So what we're advocating for is an approach which develops systems that are much more connected and using the same methods and same tools in order to, to try and detect things. So, for example, the Ministry of Health looks after humans. Ministry for Primary Industries looks after our food animals. Uh, DOC looks after our wildlife. We need to be better coordinated so that we're doing the same kind of surveillance, the same kind of tools are being used so that we can really get a handle on these things um, before they become a problem. Yep. And finally, is there any other research that you are currently working on at Tenifa that may be of interest for our listeners that you'd be comfortable with sharing? Um, we, Tenifa is a very young organisation, so we've only been going um, for 12 months and we're mm -hmm. just um, in the process of funding the first round of infectious disease um, proposals. So it's a bit too early to talk about um, those, but we have been doing some work around um, pandemic preparedness and planning, which we hope will be published soon. So that was a piece of work um, specifically to look at what we currently do, what we can learn from the COVID response and how we can improve our preparedness for any future events like COVID should they come along. It's quite likely we will get another pandemic and we just want to make sure that we have everything in place to try and deal with that. So there'll be a lot more announced soon, but um, the main focus of Tanifa really is around better preparedness for infectious disease outbreaks and pandemics, and also addressing serious health inequities that happen in New Zealand.
access to healthcare, but also access to things like vaccines and therapies as well. Yeah. So early stages, but there will be a lot, to, a lot to talk about in the future. Thanks for listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.